everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Gilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries at X29. This is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. Mary, we are, well, as people are listening to this, I think we're in Columbus or we're in West Virginia right now about to be with the priests in Columbus, but we're actually cheating. We're, we're recording this in like two hours of spare time between the retreats from the Biloxi priests and deacons <laughs> before we go home to do a little laundry mm-hmm. for like six hours and then get back on a plane with Albert and uh, take care of the brothers in Columbus. So but, how you doing? What time zone are you in? Well, I have to tell you, Father John, I think I'm in the Lord's heavenly time zone. This has been a truly a glorious time. It's always beautiful to be with our priests. Yeah. And, and the bishop here, Bishop Kenneman, is just a remarkable shepherds or time here has been um, just filled with all manner of joy. You say often we get a front row seat to watch God work. And boy, did we ever this past week. Um, Bishop Kinnaman is just an extraordinary man who um, I just want to box up and take home with us. Um, but he's he's a, a great, you know, I say that to people just to let them know there are some amazing bishops who are just sold out for the Lord, totally open on mission, or radically on mission, totally open to what the Spirit wants to do, and he's one of them. And we had a really diverse presbyterate, maybe, I don't know, I want to say 20 countries represented amongst 40 guys or so, 45 guys. Tremendous men, two highlights, just because we ask people to pray, so it's important for folks to know, like, the fruit of the prayer, you know? And I thought two things from guys that they shared are worth just reporting. One is, one guy said, you know, we didn't hear anything new, but it went from my like, I knew this in my head. Now I know it in a very different way. Like, it's moved into my heart. And, and, and I know that's the fruit of people's prayer. And that's transformation. Yeah, that's Father right. John. That's right? transformation. That, that's how that happens, right? And then there was one guy, if you remember, at the very end of the Biloxi priests, he uh, he just said, like, I I realize now, we were talking about the getting clarity on the mission of the disciple, most especially the the the, the, the mission of the laity. And he says, I realize now I have put a cap on the people in my parish. I've told them, mm-hmm. or I've acted as if I, it's all on me and, and I'm not open to people using their gifts to go transform the world. He says, now I'm open and I can't wait to that, go back. That's a massive transformation. And so, so what he's going to go back to his parish and do is he's going to wake up that sleeping, slumbering giant that are God's people in the pews who do have all manner of gifts, natural and supernatural, and they're dying to be asked and they're dying to be sent on mission. And that's why having the pastor engage is absolutely so critical if our parishes are going to become places of real mission. Amen. So again, we just share that because it's so, we ask people to pray. It's so important to give them responses as to how did God show himself an answer to those prayers. So thank you for the prayers. Keep them coming this week because the priests from Columbus are coming. And then we'll tell you next week where we're going to be next week because we've got, we're in the middle of a stretch right now of uh, four consecutive presbyteral retreats. All that said, can't wait to get into this topic. What's our topic? Yeah, our topic today is the best is up ahead. Amen to that. So let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, your word is healing. It renews the mind. It fills us with hope. It encourages us to run the race and to persevere, to keep the faith. We just ask that this conversation right now, centered around uh, your word through the prophet Isaiah, would be 
balm for those of us most in need, especially those of us who feel just tired and exhausted and wondering what's it all for. So anoint our words and the ears of our brothers and sisters who are listening, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So take us away. Yeah, so I'm going to just share the scripture from Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 10. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples a feast of rich food and choice wines, juicy, rich food, and pure, choice wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the veil that veils all peoples, the web that is woven over all nations. He will destroy death forever. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face. The reproach of his people he will remove from the whole earth, for the Lord has spoken. On that day it will be said, Behold our God to whom we looked to save us. This is the Lord for whom we looked. Let us rejoice and be glad that he has saved us. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. Okay, so this is a vision of heaven. That's what, that's what this is. And, it, and it's the glorious reality that we have to look forward to, Father John. Every word here just causes my heart to leap inside myself, inside my chest. Yeah, so there's at least four promises that God makes here, right? He's going to provide a feast. So I, being Italian and liking meat, this is a really helpful vision, right? I mean, juicy, choice wines, like, I love wine, right? Like, this is not Chateau Box. This is not Chateau Box. Can you imagine the wine this in heaven, right? <laughs> right, this is like 1962 Amarone, right? So, you know, there's going to be a feast that God provides, which, again, you know, for the people that Isaiah is speaking to, you know, it's not like they can just run down to the grocery store to pick up some good food. Like it's, it's literally feast or famine for them, right? You're usually just living day by day. God's going to satisfy all our desires, right? He's going to destroy death. We talk often about how Jesus has already defeated death, right? That's why he can't hold me, but he hasn't destroyed it yet. Like I'm, you and I are still going to die, right? I mean, you, this past year, you've, you've lost a lot. You lost your mom, your mother-in-law, a favorite cat. I mean, death's all around us, right? He's defeated it. He hasn't destroyed it. But one day, God's going to destroy death. And you know what else, Father John, what I love, there's, there's a line in here that I have shared with priests before, and it's the line that talks about how he will wipe away our tears. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that not one of our tears is lost on God. He sees every last one of them. And, and he promises on this day, he will personally take his hand and wipe away all manner of tears. There's no more crying, no more tears. What a, what a spectacular reality, right? And then this last promise, you know, the reproach, the shame, the disgrace that those who belong to God here are often exposed to, meant to feel, uh, that's going to be gone. The reproach he's going to remove, most especially on that day. So heaven's not like all my 
you know, whims and desires get fulfilled. If I like bowling, then heaven's going to be just this glorious experience of bowling. No, the, the, the primary joy of heaven is seeing God, being with God, right? The longing of a heart, the one that we've longed for our entire life since we came to know him. And even if you didn't know that, that's what you're longing for, that's right? I was sharing with you and Albert last night an experience that I had in prayer with this passage once. And this is just my wacky imagination because it's how God talks to me, but it's from this passage. And it's like, we're all, we're all sitting on a mountain. So we've died. We're sitting on a mountain like this, but it's a, it's got a sharp peak. So we can, we're on like one face of the mountain and we're opening up a picnic basket, pulling out all this food, there's some great wine, but God hasn't shown up yet. We haven't seen it yet. And we're there and we're just kind of in each other's company like, oh my gosh, we made it. Like we're home. And it's, it's just like unutterable joy. And then as we're sitting there in my mind as I'm praying with this, I see this massive, I mean massive shadow start coming up over the side of the mountain. And then gradually... God reveals himself coming up over the mountain and we all turn and look at each other and just burst into like exuberant, joyous laughter as we see God. And we're like, oh my gosh, that's God. That's God. That's God. That's the one we weren't sure was going to be able to come through. That's the one we didn't think, you know, could answer our prayers. That's the one we didn't think was stronger than death. Oh my gosh, that's God. And he's glorious. He's powerful. He's beautiful. He's love. And it's all just aimed at us. Like that was my experience of this passage. That's what, that's what Isaiah is saying. He says, on that day, we will say, behold our God. That's the one we looked to rescue us. And how in the world did I ever doubt he could come through? Oh, Father John, that's so beautiful. You know, as I'm listening to you unpack this, this image that the Lord gave you, I'm reminded of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. You know, he says, eye is not seen and ear has mm. not what, heard what God has prepared for those who love him. And, and I think in days that are very challenging and we're living in some very challenging days. It's a, mix, it's a mix of joys and sorrows, highs and lows. That's life. But amidst the sorrows and the trials of life, at least for me, like I need to remember that line that he has gone before me. God, my father, all these promises declared in this passage in Isaiah are true and he's faithful to his promises and I can't possibly fathom. My eye has never beheld anything like I'm going to behold. My ears have not heard anything that I'm going to hear. This is what waits for us. Yeah. This is what's, this is that carrot that's dangling out there, right? Yeah, that's right. This is why mm-hmm. Paul could say in the reading that we had at Mass a couple of weeks ago, life is Christ and death is gain. What, why is death gain? Because heaven is more, not less. You know what? I often think nostalgia, for whatever reason, has been a really, it's been an experience I've had in my life, especially when I was young. We used to go on vacation a lot down to Mexico at Christmas. It was like the highlight of the year for, for my family. Because it was the only time my dad could be away when he was working. And so like we had him to ourselves and it was, you know, it was a beautiful environment. 
around the ocean and all that. But I would, as soon as we got home, I was filled with nostalgia. Nostalgia is defined as the painful longing for the past. Mm. And as a kid, I was immensely nostalgic. Like, I just wanted to be back there. I wanted to, wasn't even just the, the beauty. It was the experience of being together as family, you know, and being with my dad and longed for that. And then it's, it's easy, you know, I think for us, you know, when you get older in life, you lose a loved one. You, you lose a child, you lose a spouse, you lose a parent, you lose your health. And if, if we're not careful, we're supposed to mourn that to be sure. But if we're not careful, we can get nostalgic for that. We can have a painful longing for it. We spend our time looking backwards. But Christians don't look backwards. Christians look forward because the best is, is up there. It's not back there, right? And you just mentioned that image of a carrot. I find that so helpful. You know, we, we talk a lot in our ministry about Jesus hasn't rescued us from the world. He's rescued us for the world, right? And that we have a mission and it's a grand mission. It's to, you know, the internal mission is holiness. The external mission is to continue the work of recreation that Jesus began until he comes back and makes it all new. But every once in a while, it's worth getting a glimpse of the end. Like what's it all for? What's waiting for us? What's the carrot at the end? And this is, this is the carrot. And it's one heck of a carrot, right? Yeah, you know, Father John, we're, um, we happen to be here just uh, outside the neighboring community of, um, how, do you, how do you pronounce it? Amite, yeah, Louisiana? Amite or Amite? Amite, Louisiana, where Father Mark uh, Beard was a beloved pastor here who died in a tragic car accident in August. And we're wearing these bracelets that say, you know, finish the race. And I, want, I almost want to say finish the race because this is the prize you know, this is the prize. And, you know, you mentioned some of the losses that my family and I have, have, have suffered through this year. And, you know, the loss of, you know, Steve's mom and the loss of my mom. And just as I was praying and preparing for this conversation, like this is just a great reminder of where my mom is or where she's in route to. If she's not home yet, this is her destination. If, if Steve's mom's not home yet, this is where she's going. This is the comfort that we take as we mourn because this is the inheritance gained for those who loved the Lord. And one day on that holy mountain, when God makes all things right, I will see my mom again. You're going to see your mom and dad again. You're going to see Peter, your brother again. This is the promise held out to us by God. If we just fight the fight and win the race, you know, finish the race. Yeah. This is the prize that lies ahead for all of us. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You know, and maybe, maybe to, uh, here's another maybe helpful reality just to keep in mind, because heaven might be, Father Mark Beard, you were just talking about him. He, his final homily was like, you, you never know when this is going to happen. It, 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 you know, you could go tomorrow and he went like two days after he gave the homily. He, he was 61 years old, I think. Right. So we never know. In the meantime, though, here's the comforting thought. The mountain that Isaiah is talking about, you and I get to touch every single mm -hmm. time we go to mass because there is only one mass and it happens in heaven. And when you and I walk into church, whether it's, you know, in a hut in 
Africa or whether it's in a home in a village that's been washed out by a hurricane or whether it's in a glorious cathedral, whether you can have 10,000 people there or whether there's only a few, you're in heaven. The whole church is there. You know, all the saints, all the angels, the Trinity, um, all the souls in purgatory, and the whole body of Christ here on earth, regardless of whether you can see them or not, we're all together. We become not only contemporaries at Mass of the Lord's Passion and of His resurrection, but we become somehow mystically contemporaries of the life of heaven. And so that, I remember my first pastor, I've probably shared this before, it was the first funeral I was ever at as a priest, and he was burying one of his best friends. And he held up, he, he told the, the, his grieving friend's wife, who was another one of his best friends, he looked at her and he says, remember, you will never be closer to Bob than when you come to Mass. Because of this fact, there's only one Mass. And Bob's there, whether he's in heaven or he's in purgatory. And we're together. And he says, and when I hold up the Eucharist today, I'll never forget this. He said, the Eucharist becomes like a two-way mirror. And we see what looks like bread, but it's not bread. And they see the Lord. And our eyes meet in Jesus. Now, we have to leave at the conclusion of every Mass because there's still work for us to do. That's why the Mass ends with Ite Misa asked, she is sent. But one day we're going to get to stay. Amen. That's why it's worth living well, because this is what's waiting. What's waiting is no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more death, no more goodbyes, no more pain, no more suffering, no more division. It's beyond anything we can imagine. And again, the highlight of everything is God. This is true, people. This isn't something somebody came up with to try to make themselves feel better when they were down. This is the word of God. God does not lie. These are his promises. So persevere, hang in, finish the race, keep the faith. It's worth it. And do not be afraid. God is with you. And you were born. Mm -hmm.